Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim. Welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history and the topic of our podcast today is the Poe Elementary School bombing. It was a school bombing that took place back in 1959 um, by a man named Paul Harold Oregon, and we're going to talk about all of his dastardly deeds, but before we do, let me remind you that we are a comedy podcast. We use adult language, so if that offends you, then Please check out one of the other fine podcasts that are out there, like our friends with They Walk Among Us and our friends at uh, Haunted Visions and, of course, Chuck's podcast, Chuck, Chuck and Ke- uh, Shelley's podcast, Rants and Reason. So we invite you to check those out. They somehow are able to do a whole podcast without swearing. And we say we're a comedy podcast that uses adult language. Uh, the only thing for certain is we use adult language. Well, we try to be funny. The comedy's hit or miss, Timmy. Well, that's true. It's it, comedy to us. It, yeah, I laugh all the time. I think it's hysterical. I am joined today uh, with my uh, with my co-host, uh, who I'll introduce in a moment. But Brandy is not with us today. Brandy's... Um, Incarcerated? <laughs> no, Brandy's son had surgery this week. In rehab? <laughs> She's not with us, so we hope to have her back next uh, next time. But I am joined by uh, a man who's considered an oasis in the desert of despair, a man who's been called the moral compass of this podcast, the honorable, the very honorable, uh, the distinguished, Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? I'm doing good, Timmy. And I and I think we owe it to our listeners to say, to tell them the truth. And we hope to have Brandy back here for the next episode. But she has joined a cult. <laughs> and we're going to try to get her back and get a program. Well, that's good. What kind of cult is she caught up in this time? Oh, one of those. You run around naked, put flowers in your hair, drink whiskey all day. You know, she was in Amway for a while. She was in Amway. That's a cult, too. Yeah, I know. All right. So um, we don't have Brandy with us this this time, but she'll be back with us next week. Uh, Any any news with you, Colonel? Anything going on? No, Timmy. I'm just depressed about our Reds. Yeah, they well, they they got off to they're off to a slow start, but at least it's baseball season. It is baseball season, although it doesn't. Yesterday it felt like baseball season. It was seventy degrees. Yeah, today it's cold. Today it's snowing on the way in. Yeah, 
So, um, Colonel, how is things going with your new podcast, Rants and Reasons? You know, actually, strangely, they're doing good, and I have to attribute that to my co-host, Karen, because... She's very smart. She's very smart, and people seem to like her. Yeah. They don't seem to care too much for you. They don't. Yeah. Surprisingly, and I thought, you know, I thought I was bringing the the beauty to the podcast. She could bring the brains, and I will bring (laughs) the beauty. And uh, But it's it's going good. We got a couple mentions, and if you listen to... I think we're on podcast we listened to this week oh yeah um jeremy with podcast we listened to he has a new podcast him and uh dina marie called um educating jeremy it's really a funny podcast about movies so check that out and also check out rants and reasons with uh chuck and shelly yeah thank you timmy but it was uh but it's it's a lot of fun you know we had a conversation we don't get into politics this kind of stuff on dweebs page so people kind of you know if they want to have debates we had a uh, thing on spanking children Uh that had probably 140 comments really and do you know not one person got nasty to another person well that's nice so you have a robust robust engaged uh audience over there we do have a pretty, we have a pretty very smart audience. There's okay. some people that came over from the Dweebs page that mm-hmm. are extremely, well, I, and I and, like the thing. And the, the, the reason people the, are smart. The, your podcast is about politics, right? It's political. It's politically based, but it's kind of a issues based podcast. Okay. And you, and there's one liberal leaning host and one conservative leaning host. So and it's balanced. It's kind of, it's really more about, Timmy, not about like Crossfire where we're debating things. It's about if you look at liberals and conservatives, what's in the middle? Right. All the things you agree on. So we kind of focus on the things we agree on, not what we disagree on. Yes. Everybody likes it. You know, it's like the devil over here, Timmy. Mm-hmm. You know, she loves conflict. Yes. She loves to have. She thrives. Argue. Yeah. She just. We try to avoid that. We try to find out yes. where there's common ground. But she just loves to take things and tear them apart. To I me, mean, we're trying to build something. Even with this podcast, the History Dweebs, and, you know, we have, I have to say, I'm very, very proud, once again, of all the listeners of History Dweebs because we had some one of our listeners that had an issue, and another listener brought it up and said, hey, can you help? And Yeah, they're a great group. They really are. Tremendous. So you, you Dweeb listeners are just unbelievable yes people. we love you um well we got a kind of a serious topic today and um we were going to do this topic a while back but then real life intervened so we thought that it wasn't good timing so we postponed this but this is an interesting story colonel it's about a a, a school bombing that took place back in 1959 and it was a story that i wasn't that familiar with until i started researching it but but it's an it's an interesting story, and I know you guys did recently did a topic on uh, rants and reasons, right? On gun control. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did. So we're not going to talk about gun control control here because that's controversial and it's political. But if you are interested more in that topic, again, check out rants and reasons. But you can we, talk. We're going to talk about bomb control. We're going to talk about bombing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, um, need, we need more bomb control laws. Uh, yes. In this yes. Yeah. This is a. Uh, it's kind of, like I said, it's a sad story, but um, it just goes to show you that everything that you think is kind of new isn't so new. It's been around. Things have been yeah. around for a while. 
Uh, Eggert Allen Poe Elementary School is a primary school. <laughs> you know you're cursed when you name one after Poe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's a it's it's going dark places yeah. when you when you <laughs> yeah. name this. This school's still around, by the way. Edgar Allan Poe Elementary School is a primary school located in Houston, Texas, in the south of the United States. It's a part of the Houston Independent School District. The school, which was built in the 1920s, is located in the Chevy Chase subdivision in the neighborhood of Boulevard Oaks, which is kind of an exclusive neighborhood. My understanding is it's close to Rice University Mm -hmm. in Houston, and uh, a lot of the children there are are from affluent families, at professors and administrators. Now, there's from, a Chevy Chase, Maryland, too. Yes, and yes. And that, that surprises me because you would think – it surprises me there's a post school in Texas. Now, if there was one down you – know, of course, in Baltimore or whatever, you would say – Yeah. But, yeah. Someone Texas. just like Aaron Poe, I guess. But love uh, their stories. But this is like near Rice University. So the school, a lot of the kids that go to school are children of professors and administrators of people there at the university. Um, it was named after, of course, Edgar Allan Poe. It serves uh, 700 students. Uh, when it was first built in 1928, it was primarily an, uh, open to all white students. But as I said, it was pretty much... Students of affluent families. This is a well-to-do neighborhood. Mm. Um, and we're going to talk about this um, whack job, this guy who, um, subject of our What's topic. What's his name? Paul Harold Origron, Origron, O-R-G-E-R-O-N, Origron. Mm-hmm. I guess how I'm saying it right. He was born in Vienna, Louisiana on March 5th, 1910. Now, Colonel, you... You have family down in Louisiana. I, I, well, I have family in Louisiana, and I, I've been to Vienna, Timmy. Oh, okay. They make some fine sausages down there. Is that where the Vienna sausage yeah. come from, Vienna, it's Louisiana? It's a little tiny factory down there, Timmy. Damn. I would have thought Italy or someplace. Nope. Vienna comes right out It always out kills of me that Cincinnati claims to be the chili capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you think it's like somewhere in Mexico? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. I, I think it's self-proclaimed. But anyway, his father. I hate people to just make up something. <laughs> I know titles like <laughs> the chili capital. Or I know. The world or I know you're opposed to brandy the, the benevolent. Right, exactly. So uh, Paul uh, Origron, I pronounce his name, was born in Vienna, Louisiana, March fifth, nineteen ten. His father was an alcoholic and was seldom home. He wasn't really ever really in Paul's. Life now. Paul's mother worked as a waitress, and she raised Paul and her his two brothers and sisters on on her own. Single mom. She was uh, Paul was the youngest of three sons. Like his older brothers, Paul was always in trouble. You can relate to that, Colonel. I can relate to that. Me and my brother got into a bit of trouble, and and you know he had a little bit of good luck. If you're going to have an alcoholic father, Timmy, uh-huh. it's best that he just stays away from home. Yeah, probably. probably. Rather yeah, than he, just lay he, around he, the couch and hit you in the back of the head for whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah, or pissing himself away. <laughs> Setting the couch on fire because oh, yeah, he, he falls asleep with a cigarette in his hand. Yeah, it's probably better off. Uh, so Paul and his brothers are always in trouble. Paul was expelled from first grade, Colonel, for trying to drown a classmate by for- forcing his head in the toilet. So. <laughs> That's a, that's a bold move there. Yeah, for a six-year-old. But, you know, in fairness, we don't know what the other first grader did. Right. He could have deserved it. Yeah. Right. So uh, so he got expelled first grade. 
By the time he was 10 years old, his brothers were already doing time in the state penitentiary. Uh, his oldest brother, you'll like this, his oldest brother's name was Crank. Crank? Yeah. Yeah. Every neighborhood has a crank. Every, huh? Everyone has a crank and a tank. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the time his oldest brother was serving 18 months on a chain gang in Louisiana for <laughs> statutory rape, which I cannot imagine, can imagine being a very pleasant experience. The the chain gang the chain not gang. the statutory yeah. neither one are probably a neither one right, are, right. yeah pleasant yeah, experience if the chain gangs the least of your you know problems the, yeah not the least of your problems that you're getting off lucky if you got a statutory rape and you got a, just a chain gang yeah you could get beat with a chain you and then get shackled with the chain and then yeah. make you walk through the desert barefoot and then beat with the chain some more just like uh, you could be on a horse with no name yeah Paul was try tried to help his brother escape. But they were both caught. Paul was only 11 years old when he was sentenced to reform school for the incident. So 11 years old, he's trying to help his brother escape from... It's kind of almost endearing in a way, but... Yeah. That's loyalty. <laughs> but I, 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 don't think, uh, I don't think the justice system down there in Louisiana is that progressive to find... <laughs> they didn't appreciate the no, family loyalty, blood no, being thicker than water. I guess not. That. So they sent Paul away to reform school at 11 years old. He did not show much academic promise, but he did excel in metal shop, Colonel. I know you excelled in all the. I was I was good with the woodworking stuff, Timmy. Dude, I had to make I had, I had to take. They required when I was a kid. You had to take industrial work. arts. Industrial used to arts, call it. yeah. And I had to. I, my project was to make a uh, cutting board. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I worked on this thing all year. You know, and at the end of the year, you know, you finish it or whatever, polish, whatever, uh, shellac it, whatever. And then you, it was done, right? And then you take it home to your mom, whatever. Man, it's the sorriest looking fucking cutting board. It was all Does uneven it? and shit. Yeah, I don't have it now, but you I know, I, and that's one thing I, not to get too off topic, but I really do believe they should send every kid, group, male and female, they should go back to the home economics classes and they should go back to the industrial art because you learned a lot of things from there. And the one thing you learned is that, you know, tools can kill you yeah. if you're not careful. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a drill, you can kill yourself with a drill if you're not careful. Yeah. So. yeah the, the, I, I agree. We, we had, uh, we had, at the time I was in school, guys could not take home ec. And now, of course, they do. But they, right. back in those days, when you they took, teach it, you, when took, they offer it to you. you took wood shop, and then yeah. the girls would take home ec. It was quite divided by the gender, gender specific. All right. So, anyway, I've got made this cutting board that was just a piece of shit. I, <laughs> <laughs> but I bet, I bet Dottie said it was beautiful. You know, she probably did. And she probably threw it away. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I have to ask her whatever happened to that cutting well, board. You, know, you brought mean, it I, home. Dottie and your dad said, Timmy, this is wonderful. And then when they went to bed, they said, I sure hope that boy goes to college. <laughs> yeah, because uh, wood, wood, wood shot was not my forte. So anyway, um, Paul uh, was good at metal shop. He was a wizard at making things, and things could have turned out differently for him. You know, he could have been successful. Uh, because he did have a talent for, for uh, uh, you know, creating things with his hands. But uh, he had a hard time getting along with other people and was often in fights with boys in school. In the second year of school, he was transferred to prison, at, in reform, reform school. He was transferred to prison after he tried to kill another inmate with a blowtorch. 
So he's not he doesn't get along well with others. Apparently, but he did learn something in industrial arts. Didn't he, he? he learned how to use a blowtorch. Blow kill you. Yeah. He said, you know, oh, mm-hmm. you know, this is off topic, but there's a uh, there's if our our people like you know true crime, and this kind of relates to true crime. Mm-hmm. If you read about the New Mexico state prison riot, mm-hmm. they have one wing where um, it was all kind of informers and you know mm-hmm. things like that it was Very a segregated segregated wing, mm-hmm. and these guys thought they were pretty safe during the riot because they put themselves on lockdown. Mm-hmm. But then one of the other inmates got a cutting torch. Oh. Yeah. A, and they broke like in. a plasma cutting cutting torch and got into the cells and they use these torches on these guys. Ugh. I mean it's if you if you're interested in it's I believe they consider it the worst uh riot in American history, the worst prison we have riot, a, most uh, violent we've riot. Did, I've done some research on the Lucasville riot because it's mm-hmm. near my hometown. I thought that would be an interesting topic. And what they did there, they didn't have segregated units for the informers, but uh, the prisoners, when they took over the prison, they got into all the records and they were able to get the records out and find out who was, you know, oh, informing. No. Yeah. yeah. And they, yeah, they killed some people. Over yeah. There. But anyway, they killed a guard up there too. Now, yeah. New Mexico, I, I don't, I can't remember if they killed any guards. They were very brutal to the guards. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was if you if you like, that falls under true crime. Look, Google that. Look it up. It might be interesting. To yeah, you. we'll have we'll have a prison riot coming up on the show. So, um, <clears throat> so they move him to prison when he tries to uh, use a slow torch on this other kid. And uh, and again, we don't know if the kid had it coming. Right, right. He, yeah, you know, we don't, don't. We're not. We're not uh, giving. We're not you know, passing judgment. We're not blaming anyone. But Just, uh, you know, he's facts. having. A, he's <laughs> he's having. He's starting to develop a pattern. There's a little to, bit of a try, pattern. Trying yeah. to drown someone in a toilet. Now he's using a blowtorch. Yeah. Anyway, he got transferred to prison where he was with grown adults. Oh, okay. So he was with hardened criminals now, and he was just. But he went thirteen yet. Um, he says he was, uh, well, he was in his early teens, I guess he was, uh, he later recalled that he was repeatedly raped in prison. Why, why the guards ignored his cries for help. And I mean, he's a, he's well, a juvenile. So. He was a an juvenile. 11 year old in an Yeah, he's a juvenile, prison. like 12, 13 years old. Yeah. That's a, just throwing a lamb to the wolves. That poor kid. When he was 15, he was finally released and moved back with his mother in Vienna, Louisiana. Um, he was ordered to return to school as part of his parole, but he didn't go back to school. Uh, he told his parole officer, quote, the kids there make fun of me. They call me crater face because I guess he had like acne, acne problem. And if I go back there, I'll kill someone. So his parole officer just kind of let him, you know, just didn't push the whole thing, didn't make him go back to school. Probably a wise decision. Yeah, he would have been a little little aggressive and mean at that time, Timmy. When Paul was 17, he met a young girl named Emma Lou Colgate. Emma was 15 years old, so she was two years younger than Paul. And she was impressed by him that he was a dropout. So, you know, some girls are easily impressed. Some girls like that stuff. Yeah. They like a dropout, some of them. They like the bad boys, Timmy. Yeah, well, he was a bad boy. By this time, Paul was smoking, drinking beer, and had been arrested several times for breaking and entering. So she was head over heels in love. Because he was a bad boy at that he point. He was the bad boy. Probably had a leather jacket and his hair greased back to me. <laughs> Probably did. Probably looked like the guy on uh, Grease. 
yeah, yeah, but the uh, not not Travolta, the other guy. Yeah, the, the guy hood, who was on taxi. Guy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, her parents did not approve of her. Emma's Emma Lou's parents did not approve of her relationship with Paul. They saw him as a hoodlum. Uh, but in, uh, but uh, Emma soon became pregnant with Paul's child in 1930, so he would have been 20 at that point, and uh, the couple was soon married, despite uh, her parents' objections. The marriage, Colonel, was not a happy one, as you can imagine. Paul was abusive to Emma. He threatened to kill her and the baby on at least 12 occasions. Um, the baby was a girl. Her name was Shula May. Uh, the day of her christening, uh, Paul was arrested for forgery. The sheriff arrested Paul at the church in front of all of their friends and neighbors. <laughs> so that, I'm sure that went over well with the wife, the little missus. Yeah, that couldn't have. <laughs> well, you know, again, we don't know the circumstances. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, not, you're, you're, you're very benevolent when it comes to. Casting um, blame. Paul had stolen some checks of the cash register at a local gas station. He was arrested, convicted, and sentenced to 16 months in the Louisiana penitentiary. So back to the big house for Paul. Two months after he was incarcerated, Emma Lou filed for divorce. Paul would never see Emma Lou or his daughter again. Upon his release from prison, Paul decided he needed a new start, so he moved to Oklahoma, where he continued his life of crime. New start, different location, but it's still same old life of crime. Some of the more experienced prisoners had taught Paul how to crack safes, and he was eager to apply his new trade. He was arrested three times within the first two months of arriving in Oklahoma and headed back to prison. While serving time for um, safe cracking, he joined a Lonely Hearts Club for prisoners, and through this pen pal uh, organization, he met a young woman, Christian woman, named Hazel Piper. The two started to correspond regularly, and they were soon engaged. Hazel would visit Paul at the prison and bring him and the guards homemade pie. What do you think about that, Colonel? Well, I think a homemade pie is always good, Timmy. Yeah, it just probably guards probably liked her too. Yeah, well, she she was probably an attractive girl. She liked the bad boys, and she could make pie. Yeah, she was probably putting little files in the pie or little <laughs> things <laughs> in the pie. Well, for she him. well she gave the uh, guards the pie too, so probably wasn't putting because you know because if you put the you give them the wrong slice of pie and then they find out so exactly. a lot of paperwork yeah it is a lot of paperwork um, that's back before they had metal detectors and scanners and everything else. yes exactly well anyway she didn't do that she just made them make them pies but pa- uh, Paul vowed to Maggie that as soon as he got out of prison he was going to straight uh he was going to go straight and take up a trade Paul was released from prison in June of 1952. Maggie picked him up uh, upon his release. The first thing Paul did was to drink an RC cola, and the second thing he did was marry uh, Maggie. So, probably a good choice. Well, that's in that order. He drank an RC yeah. cola first. Well, I would have, yeah, you can do that quickly. You have to have priorities. You have to yeah. have priorities. Yeah. The couple were married by local justice of the peace and took up residence at Hazel's trailer in nearby uh, Altus, Oklahoma. 
For a while, Paul tried to straighten out his life. He worked in construction, and Paul and Hazel soon had their first uh, child together, a boy, a young boy they named Dusty Paul. Dusty Paul. Dusty Paul. They couldn't name him Dirty Paul? I don't know. I, I tried to figure out why they named this kid Dusty Paul. I couldn't figure it out. But Grungy Paul? Dusty Paul was the kid's name. The couple lived happily for a while, but uh, they soon had they soon start to have problems. Paul had problems finding a job, and when he would experience stress, he would uh, be abusive to Hazel. The couple split for good in 1955, and they got a divorce only to remarry again. I never could understand if you get divorced from a spouse and then yeah, remarry. Again. We had this dude in my neighborhood, this couple in my neighborhood. They were married, divorced five times. And this judge, <laughs> the last time this judge, a divorce lawyer, he said, I, you know, I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. So you got to make up your mind. I, they stay married, so I guess it worked. But they were, I mean, like every other month they were filing for divorce. But anyway... Um, Fearing he would lose another child, because remember, his first wife left him, yeah, took the kid away. Uh, Paul um, uh, Paul packed up his, his son and fled to Houston, Texas. So he took the kid and got out of there before his wife could do it, leaving. Upon arriving in Houston, um, Paul asked a gas station attendant who, what was the best school district in town? Because, you know, gas station attendants are known for their knowledge of the local school district. Oh, yeah, they districts. know everything. Yeah. I'm it, not sure a gas station <laughs> attendant is going to tell you the best school. Right, right, right. But uh, well, that's, I went, uh, yeah, that's what he used, anyway, as his reference. The attendant told him it was schools in the uh, Boulevard Oaks neighborhood. So Paul told the attendant, uh, that was where his seven-year-old son, Dusty Paul, would be attending school from now on. You know, Timmy, most of the people listening to this podcast don't even probably have never run into, not everybody, but the majority mm-hmm. have never dealt with a gas station attendant. Probably not because they're too young, right? Yeah. Used I to mean, be. Remember and, when you pull up, you'd say, I uh, need, give me $3 unleaded. Yeah, yeah. And they they wash your windshield, yeah. check your oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when... Um, Self-service came about, and they said, oh, this is just going to supplement the great fine service you already received. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Uh, so much for that. Um, So rarely a month goes by today that we're not reading about or watching on the news and seeing on the news some sort of school massacre. Um, You think about Columbine and Sandy Hook and most recently Parkland School Massacres. It's fresh in everyone's mind. But there's a long history of school massacres in the United States. America's first school massacre took place on a hot summer afternoon in Colonial, Pennsylvania in 1764 when four warriors of the Lenepe tribe, uh, Native American tribe, stormed a schoolhouse and shot schoolmaster Enoch Brown, Colonel. They shot Enoch Brown dead before tomahawking and scalping all 11 of his pupils. Damn. Yeah, that would have been that would have been on CNN. <laughs> They'd have been over on that one. Oh forever. yeah, they'd be on that one forever. They need, you know what they need is some tomahawk control laws. Yeah, I mean, perhaps they need some regulations. Well, on it was obviously needed clear backpacks that would have solved that problem. <laughs> That's true too. The deadliest uh, school massacre in the U.S. history is one that we talked that we did an episode on a while back called uh, the Bath the Bath yeah, School. Yeah. yeah, the Bath Township School bombing. Yeah, and it was in Central Michigan. Uh, it was in 1927 when Andrew Kehoe, a disgruntled former school board treasurer, um, 
He bombed a school and bombed his, blew up his house and then went to blow up school. That guy was a total mess, man. Yeah, he was a nut job there. Yeah. Uh, that was in 19, what did I say, 1927? Yeah. Um, he spent months rigging his farm with explosives. And then he went to the school and did the same thing and uh, detonated it and uh, a 500 pound bomb. And uh, that's the deadliest bombing in, uh, or school massacre in the history. Yeah. The, uh, uh, it happened um, the same day that, uh, and again, we did a whole episode on this, but it occurred the same time as uh, Charles Lindbergh's transatlantic Trans- flight. Yeah, yeah, so it was kind of, it kind of, uh, you know, didn't get as much attention as you think it would because of that. But anyway, then there's the massacre we're going to talk about today, and that happened at the Edgar Allan Poe Elementary School in Houston, Texas. On Tuesday, September 15th, 1959, uh, it was a uh, warm uh, fall day. It began like any other. It was kind of, and it's 1959. This is like Beaver Cleaver's America, right? Um, dozens of well-scrubbed boys in cut-off jeans, uh, cut-off blue jeans, cuffed blue jeans, I should say, and girls in long, puffy dresses converged on the uh, uh, campus of Edgar Allan Poe Elementary School. Uh, the school is just north, as mentioned, of Rice uh, University, and like so many other sunny mornings, uh, students walked to school unchaperoned uh, or pedaled there on their Schwinn bicycle. Did you have a Schwinn bicycle when you was? I did have a Schwinn bicycle. I mean, I had I had a few bicycles. I had the BMXs when they first came out. Oh yeah, I had one of the original ones, but I I got a little too feisty with that and broke the frame. And <laughs> dude, I had a sweet Schwinn orange crate. Oh, oh man, nice. it was yeah. sweet. My dad, because we didn't, we weren't, we didn't live in Cincinnati, but my dad bought it here because you couldn't buy it in Portsmouth, right? right? Uh, it was sweet. It was a sweet ride. But anyway, and then when I got older, I had a Schwinn ten speed to me. Oh, nice. Oh yeah, yeah. It was but, cruising around town. The only banana had, banana seat. Oh no, this was a ten speed with the handlebars. Oh, okay. And, now I had one with the banana seat. Okay. Um, and we, as you, did you call them sissy bars? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. Had in the sissy back. bars. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but then. So you had the sissy bar, and then I got the 10-speed, and I would go so fast I couldn't keep the colonel hat on, Timmy. Oh, uh, yeah. You can't. You have to have your colonel hat because, yeah. you know. had to push it on real tight. Yeah. Did you put the baseball cards in your spokes? Yeah, I did. And you know what my problem was, Timmy? What? When I was a kid, David Concepcion and Johnny Bench were my favorite players. Uh-huh. So I, put, I drew mustaches on all my Pete Rose cards and put them in my spokes. <laughs> I wish I had, I have all my baseball cards See? from being a kid. I wish I had those Pete Rose ones today. Dude, my mom threw away a whole garbage bag of my baseball cards. I wouldn't have to work now. <laughs> she felt guilty about it. I always try to make her feel guilty over it. Okay, so among the children walking to school that morning were next-door neighbors and best friends Carolyn Honeybear Walters, with an O, Walters, and Susan Cooley, both seven years old, along with Cooley's twin sister Mary and Mary and Louise, Weezy, they're age five. Um, they were the daughters of a soon-to-be-famous heart surgeon, Dr. Denton Cooley. I guess uh, Dr. Cooley did the first heart transplant. Mm-hmm. So uh, the family lived in that neighborhood. A half, you know, They taught there at the university and lived a half a block from the school. The girls probably didn't notice the stranger in an ivory and green 1958 Chevy station wagon, sweet ride. It was a wavy-haired stranger named Paul Harold Oregon, along with his seven-year-old son, Dusty Paul. Uh, 
Paul was a 47-year-old. At this point, he was uh, three times had been convicted of safe cracking. He's divorced twice. We're really on his third divorce, but twice with the same woman, right? Uh, from uh, rural Arizona, as we mentioned. Uh, Paul was pretty much a mis- misfit. He was uh, he did not fit in that neighborhood. Uh, again, it's a well-to-do neighborhood, and he he just didn't look like he fit in. On this day, he, uh, Paul had it in his mind that he was going to enroll his son Dusty Paul into the uh, Poe Elementary School that morning, come hell or high water. And he seemed to be in a hurry to get it done. He just was in a rush to get this done. So. That morning, uh, he arrives at school, uh, just as all these kids were arriving, um, and he went to see the assistant principal to see about enrolling uh, his son, Dusty Paul, into the school. But the problem was, remember I said he left his wife and and he had to get out of there in a hurry because he didn't want... Uh, he didn't want his wife taking his son like his first wife had took his daughter away from him. Paul didn't have any of the paperwork. He didn't have like birth certificates or, you know, records, shot records and things like that. So they could not, he didn't even have a valid uh, driver's license with him. So they could not enroll him at the time. So they turned him away. And now the colonel is going to tell you what happens next in the Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A saga. Well, appearing only slightly agitated, Paul promised to come back and straighten it all out the next day, Timmy. Okay. But he returned just minutes later. And his method of ending the impasse was something no one really envisioned. He, he, he was thinking outside the box on this He one, really he? was. Yeah, most people come back with the proper paperwork, but he decided on he took a or write a letter character. of complaint. Write a letter of complaint, right. give you a bad review on Yelp, yeah. whatever. But he had a different Approach. way of doing it. Now, he went to his car, and re- to return to the school, he was carrying a, a, a worn-out briefcase. Okay. He looked a wee bit disoriented and disheveled. Around 10 a.m. on the playground at the rear of the Poe Elementary School, 
Paul and his son approached second grade teacher Patricia Johnson. Teacher, read these, said Paul, handing Johnson two notes. The teacher had trouble deciphering the chicken scratch at Paul himself, a second grade dropout, handed her. Yeah, apparently he was not, he was not, he's barely literate himself. Yeah, he was no Poe. He was no Poe. He was no Poe, too. He was no Poe. Now, meanwhile, he mumbled about the will of God and power in a suitcase. Now, looking down at the case, Miss Johnson made a chilling discovery. There was a doorbell-type button affixed to the bottom of it. She became even more alarmed when Paul began insisting that she gather all the students around him. Ms. Yeah, Johnson, that's not a good, uh, that's no, not no, a good no. sign. No, yeah, that's <laughs> when you tell the students to run away. Now, yeah, exactly. She instead asked two students to fin- fetch Principal Doty and school custodian James Montgomery. Now, see, what's it, the poor custodian, why are you getting dragged into this? Timmy? Well, you know, back in the day, this custodian did everything. The custodian, they he sec- did do everything. They were security. And, you know, you had one of two forms of custodians. You had one who was just a huge dick. Mm-hmm. Or one that everybody liked. Yeah, you yeah. know they didn't. There was nobody to fell in the middle. He right. Was, he, he had a really cool. He, he was a prick, or yeah, yeah he was a good or guy. he was the guy. We who, had a real good guy. He was our custodian, and everyone loved him. Oh, but. we had one that was just great when I was in, <laughs> yeah. in school. So, but anyway, they get the custodian, and uh, ordered the rest of the kids to go inside. It it later be disclosed that the r- notes read, and I'm going to read them just like he wrote them. Okay. Unlike. Brandy, this this is not. You're going to bring it to life. Where? Well, I mean, he he uses some really brandy poor grammar. In oh, okay, there. I see. I and see. I don't want people to think that I'm mispronouncing No, no, you're words. you are you're taking them verbatim. I'm doing a verbatim here, right. Timmy. Okay. Please do not get excited over this order I'm giving you. In this suitcase, you see in my hand is filled to the top with high explosive. I mean, high, high. Please believe me when I say I have two more bombs that are set off to go off at two times. I do not believe I can kill and not kill what is around me. And I mean my son will go. Do as I say and no one will get hurt, please. Signed, Paul Orgeron. He really should have had someone proofread that. Yeah, he, he needed an editor on <laughs> Yeah, it. yeah. His spell check and grammar. Yeah, it, yeah. If he would have had Grammarly it, installed on his computer. Especially you're giving it to a teacher. You know? I, you know, I wonder if she took out her little red marker and started <laughs> making notes and handed it back to him. Sick. <laughs> Paul, I believe you could do better. Try <laughs> yeah. again. You need to apply yourself, Paul. The second one note said, mm. do not get the police department yet. I'll tell you when. Please do not get excited over this order I'm giving you. In this suitcase you see in my hand, it filled to the top with high explosive. Please do not make me push this button. That I have that all I have to do. See, he really stressed that explosive thing. See, I only had to read that once. <laughs> one, one time on the high explosive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, you, you had me at high explosive. Exactly. And also have two more suitcases of high explosives. See, he's really driving home the point here. <laughs> that they are set off to go a certain time at three different places. Now, how in the hell are you going to have two suitcases and go off at three different places? Well, maybe he hadn't planted. Maybe what are you, a like wizard time. or something? You got two suitcases. How do <laughs> well, you maybe go off at three places? Maybe on a timer or something. Well, so it will harm. It will more harm to kill me. Yeah, That's what I, he said. It I, will more harm to I kill me. I understand. He needs some work. Yeah. He needs to work on his grammar. But so the, do the, as ass- I, the essence of the But the, the most note. the most important thing here that yeah. he got, and he got this one correct, 
do as I say and no one will get hurt. Yeah. And I would like to talk about God while waiting for my wife. Now, yeah, the teacher ignored her fears and frantically looked around for someone to help. Paul's behavior became more erratic as he kept rambling and repeating and just going on. Um, I have to follow the children to the second grade. He also kept waving the suitcase around. See, this is odd. I mean, because originally he just went there to enroll his kid. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean. He didn't want no trouble. But then he escalated and everything got a little well, out I mean, of hand. He asked for a little paperwork and he yeah, gets all I, excited. Well, you know, he was, he, he was not a red tape kind of guy. I guess me. not. Now, around this time, the custodian, James Montgomery, arrived at the scene and tussled with Paul. So they could see not custodian, the man. They're badass. They do. They, they are. They do all the repairs. They do all and the see, cleaning. That's, you know, with, with the whole gun control thing. Uh huh. You don't need to arm teachers. Arm the custodians. I'm telling you what. When I was in school, custodians did the uh, paddling. If you had oh, to get yeah. paddled, you had to go to the custodian. They paddle you. But I'm sure that there's some legal it, liability me, there. Oh, there's got to be. <laughs> if you want somebody, because you know who you if you want to keep people safe. I'm the bus driver, I'm the custodian. Because yeah. they're already, have, excuse the pun, half-cocked anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, somebody comes in there giving, you know, creating a right. big ruckus. That, right. Because the custodian, though, he's going to have to clean up the mess afterwards. He's going to take you out. Well, especially you know? someone who comes in with a bomb. That's yeah. a big mess to clean up, <laughs> No, I ain't be work, mopping it working weekends for months, Exactly. Man. No, no, no. You're going out. You just give them a butter knife. They'll keep the peace in the school. So anyway, he starts to tussle with him. Now, Mr. John, Miss Johnson could be heard screaming, he's got a bomb, as the two men wrestled to the ground. Now, this was the last thing that any of them remembered. Suddenly, there was a tremendous explosion, and six people were dead, Timmy. Ugh. Jenny Coulter. I mean, how, how horrific it must that have been. You know? Yeah. Jenny Coulter, a teacher. James Montgomery, the heroic school Custodian. Custodian. So the custodian died. Yep. See, the custodians always, always get the shit in. They always do. In every horror movie, the custodian gets mm-hmm. it first. Either It's either the custodian or the blonde girl with the big boobs, Tim. Yeah. 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 And neither of them got it coming. No. You know, you could leave a custodian. A custodian usually is the best part of the movie, and a blonde with the big boobs, she's the second best part of the movie. Well, sometimes the custodian's the one doing the killing, though. Yeah, but that doesn't make them bad people. Yeah. I mean, sometimes. Because they, they have access to the furnace. We don't know the whole side of the story on, it, on <laughs> yeah. all these all things, right, Demi. Right. But anyway, seven-year-old student Billy Hawes was killed, John Fitch Jr. was killed, and Paul, and his seven-year-old uh, son, Dusty. So, so Dusty, Paul, and his dad yeah. taken out. Now, the blast had occurred near a maple tree. If you had gone by the looks of the tree, you would have thought it was a dead of winter. There was not a leaf to be found anywhere on it, Timmy. So it blew all the leaves off? Yeah. It was, the blast was so loud it could be heard for blocks. The playground erupted in fire and flame, and all that hung from the stripped branches were bits of human flesh oh. and a few shreds of clothing, Timmy. Ugh. There was a hole six inches deep at the spot of the asphalted playground where Paul had detonated that bomb. So there were four. I didn't write the, the names of the victims down totally, but I think there were four adults and two children. Yeah, you had four. Jenny. Jenny was a teacher. James Montgomery, the custodian. Um, Paul and, yeah, you had. Or you three had and three, I guess. Yeah, yeah three, three adults and three children. What His own yeah. child, Dusty Paul, and then I think a seven- and eight-year-old. Now, there were several, several bodies laying on the playground, and one of their boys was totally nude. He wasn't killed. 
But the force of the explosion had ripped off every piece of the clothing off uh. the poor child. Um, an adult's leg was protruding from the ground as it had been hurtled through the air like a javelin when the oh explosion occurred. Body parts were just thrown out about the campus, and, of course, children and grown adults were crying hysterically. Now, the police get there. They evacuate the school, and they're looking around for other bombs, but they couldn't find any, and it wasn't long before word of this explosion got out. Um, the, the school campus was soon bedlam and just absolute bedlam. Parents were swarming into the grounds. They were looking for their kids. Law enforcement, they were fighting a losing battle to keep order there. And, of course, the curiosity seekers were out in full force. They called out the Texas National Guard to protect other elementary schools in the blast aftermath because authorities really didn't know what happened. No, and you um, got to you got to assume that it's not limited to just one school. Well, and the only people that really knew what happened were dead. Right. So you exactly. Um, but although but, although um, strangely enough, they 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 were they were able to get the letters. Yeah, they did you know, get even the letters. though everything yeah. blew up, the letters survived. They probably just got blown because yeah. it got blown away. It's a, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't get burned up. Um, when they arrived, police arriving at the scene found that six-inch deep hole in the blacktop. Um, and, you know, there were just bodies. One girl was blown over 100 feet, Ugh. Timmy. Now, police thought the bomber might have escaped and have other bombs, so the school evacuated. After completing a bomb search, a roll call by teachers showed that all students were present except those dead or injured. Now, very little of Paul was found. Only small body parts were recovered from the surrounding bushes, buildings, and homes. Um, his left hand was found in a hedge, indicated he had died in the blast, and it was used to identify him through fingerprints, which were on file from prior convictions. Yeah, because like you said, at this point, they don't know what happened. They just know there was an explosion. That's just a big explosion. They don't know who did it. And they don't know who did it. Was and still... if there's a bunch of other people right. running around right. on it. Or if they killed the person who detonated, it was still alive. They didn't know exactly. at this point. Now, his nearby station wagon contained, they found a station wagon contained explosives, and on August 25th, receipt for detonators and 150 sticks of dynamite from Grants, New Mexico, where Paul had been between leaving Addison and arriving in Houston. So they did find a bunch of that. Now, all six people um, were killed and 19 badly injured. Dead included Paul and his son, Dusty Paul, and... Among the dead were also two seven-year-old students. Oh. Now, an investigation was conducted by the Houston, Houston Police Department, the Texas Rangers, and the FBI. Uh, the Texas Rangers had to, they were only investigating for a while, then they had to go on a road trip to play against <laughs> another team. But I thought you um, was going to say, what was that, what's that TV show, the Texas Ranger guy? Uh, Chuck uh, Norris. Chuck Norris, what yeah. was he playing? Forget his name. The guy's name. I don't know, but they, if they would have called Chuck Norris and before this happened, it would have never happened. All right. He would kick ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, you know what he would have done? He would just grab the suitcase, held the bomb real tight, let it go off, and yeah. just laid it down. He would have. And then kicked the guy, kicked Paul's ass. Who do you think would win in a fight, Chuck Norris and Billy Jack? You know, I'm going to go with Billy Jack. Billy he's Jack probably was badass. the baddest man alive. Yeah, he was. I believe he was bad. That, the, our younger viewers are probably they not going to get that. They won't. Look, Google him. Google him. Ask Mr. Google. One tin soldier. <laughs> Billy Jack was bad. Billy Jack was a movie about a martial arts mm -hmm. expert, and he was badass. And he was Indian. He and was they part, were picking on Indians, Native Americans. Part, part Native American, and they were picking on him, and they were not being nice to him, and they, the, the law he tried to get him out. And Billy Jack said, here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to take my right foot and kick you across the left side of your face. And there's nothing you can do about it. there's nothing you can do about it. And I'll be damned if he didn't. And the five guys that tried to attack him after that got their asses whipped too. Yes. So check out Billy Jack. It's a good movie. It is a great movie. Yeah. Now to return to Billy Jack and Billy Jack 3, 4, 5, and 6. The trial of Billy Jack. You can skip those, yeah. But he and uh, the guy's name was McLaughlin, right? Yeah. Tom McLaughlin. I think he produced that independently. He did. Yeah. He did. It's a great movie. Like 1972, something like that. Go ahead and eat your name. You know, the female co-star in that, she just died recently. Like she last, did. Yeah, yeah, like a couple weeks ago. Um, but anyway, an investigation was conducted by the Houston Police Department and all that. And, and this, uh, this has a uh, strange twist to it. You're this gonna, is, yeah. This is where it gets really weird. Investigators um, interviewed family and friends of the bomber. However, a motivation for the bombing was never established. Among 19 people taken to Herman Hospital were two boys, Robert Taylor and Earl Folger, each of whom had had to have a mangled leg amputated, Timmy. Mm. Now, the long-term effects of this trauma will be difficult to determine. The emotional scars felt by teachers and students, of course, would linger for decades. And it's not on children for common who witness horrific events to mistakenly take responsibility for them. Yeah, they, they didn't have counseling and stuff like they right. need to do today. Yeah, you just kind of went on and that's, you know. It was kind of like just deal with it. It was, yeah. no, you know, now they bring in counselors after some tra- traumatic event. Exactly. And they, they just didn't do that back in the, back in the 50s. You just kind of had to deal with it. And um, yeah, and these kids, some of them were able to, and some not. Yeah, some weren't. Um, now the difference, of course, yeah, there was no grief counselors, and they just decided to ignore it. Now, besides being a brief news story, uh, um, the country as a whole pretty much ignored the bombing. Yeah, have you had had, had you heard about this story? No, I had not. I, 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 I hadn't I had either not. until I started just ran into it during some research. Many of the Post students said they grew up to become medical professionals, no doubt inspired at least in part by the tragic events. A disproportionate amount of them became medical professionals. Not all did so well, however. One Post student who did claim to have been hugely affected was a fifth grader, Larry Schacht. Yeah, this is weird. Who later played a prominent role in an even greater massacre. According to family, Larry was very angered and betrayed by, felt angered and betrayed by society for its seemingly lack of compassion for the Poe victims. By his early 20s, Schacht was an intravenous meth addict, alternately manic and paranoid, and seemingly destined for an early grave. But then in 1970, he cleaned up Timmy, cleaned up his act with the assistance of some mysterious benefactor Mm. who paid him to attend medical school. Nice. Yeah, back home in Texas, Shaq's friends were pleasantly astonished to hear that their lost cause of a friend was by 1977 a doctor in a San Francisco hospital. So this so kid, he went from an IV meth addict to a doctor. So this I mean, kid was in the bombing when he was a kid. It's, he was at school when this bombing took place. Mm-hmm. Had trouble dealing with it. Grew up to be a drug addict. Got his stuff together and was able to go to med school by because kind of, of this secret benefactor, right? Then word trickled back that Shaq had left the States to become a medical missionary in South America, Guyana to be exact, Mm. where he served as the camp physician at the People's Temple Agricultural Project for his benefactor, the Reverend Jim Jones. So Jim Jones paid for this guy to go to medical school. Yes. It was Shaq 
who mixed the grape-flavored, cyanide-laced-flavored Kool-Aid that Joan's congregation consumed in their mass revolutionary suicide to claim 918 lives. Now today, including Shaq's own son, today Edgar Allan Poe Elementary School remains open, currently serves around 700 students. It has a bilingual program for all grade levels and a very fine arts magnet program. Wow. So this guy grows up. See, you never, it's unattended consequences, right? You remember like yeah. when, um, oh, what happened? The um, uh, the Davidians, when yeah. that happened. And who was in, you know, who was there watching all that? Timothy McVeigh. Right. And, yeah. you know, he, he said in part that he was motivated to, uh, bomb the uh, federal building in Oklahoma City in yeah. part inspired due to that what happened at uh, right. Waco. Yeah. So you never know what you know unintended consequences. You never know what's going to you know what uh, what event will trigger something else in the future. And you got to think that this that this played a part in that guy growing up to you know become part of uh, the people's temple. Oh yeah. You know he was looking for something. Yeah. You know, looking yeah. for something. He was weird. Yeah, now what we'd like to do is spark on the show on Sprockets. Yes. Where we dance, Timmy. We're dancing? Well, let's thank our Patreon sponsors. Oh, let's do that. We would like to thank all of Then we'll dance. Okay, who so generously support our podcast. Um, We really appreciate it. If you would like to support our podcast, just go to patreon.com slash historydweebs, where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or... Or just a wee little bit, Timmy. We're excited because uh, uh, DweebCon 2, the Wrath of Brandy... The Wrath of Brandy is coming. It's coming up, uh, we we think, uh, late September, early October. There's a planning group working on it now. I'm not pleased with the results of that poll, Timmy, but you know what I realized? What? Brandy won. Oh, that was the... Who was the most popular? Uh, yeah, what team. team are you on? Yes. You know why? Because me and Team Rudy split the vote. Well, I want to know we split the how there's three hosts and I finished fourth. That's what I can't, <laughs> that's what I can't fucking understand. You finished behind a dog, Timmy. I know. That's a shame. So, of course, so did I. So, <laughs> But we are excited. It's going to... DweebCon 2 is coming up here in Cincinnati in next fall of 2018. Um, check out our Facebook page. History to Weaves, the podcast, for more details. And Colonel is going to now give shout-outs to our wonderful Patreon supporters. That's right. We got James Seabright. Hey, James. Uh, Tommy Lane, Jason Dykes, Terry Stafford, Shelly Garrett, my wonderful co-host. Yes, on Rants and Reasons. Bridget Clavey, Brandy McBride, Jennifer Savota, Maggie Glover, Mike Sadler, Jamie Dent, Maja, Tyrone, Amber Scoville, Marsha Boris, Stacey Allison, Jody and Sean Wells, Amber Anderson, our good friends, Ben and Roseanne, if they walk among us. Our very good friends. And we're going to get to meet them uh, this in year. In Chicago, September 4th, yes, Timmy. Yes, looking forward to that. Lorna Violet, Mike Dale, Kelly Charette, Karen Widener, Callie, of course. Um, Callie's a brilliant girl. Callie Jones. This is, she's just a brilliant girl. Lauren Meredith, Jessica Greeno, Pleasing Terrors, Timmy. Yes, with Mike Brown. Yep. Sarah Bloom, Amber, of course. Amber Croup. The lovely Amber Croup. The lovely, stabby Amber Croup. She's a little stabby. She's very stabby. <laughs> she said, today she said she was going to skip work, get high, and watch Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> so wherever you're having a good time, Amber. <laughs> you, you know, there's just something about Amber that makes you love her no matter what. I know. 
we got the Now America History Podcast with Joe. Yes, Joe and Sean. Joe and Sean. Catherine Kaka, Garage Richardson, Fiona Crisp, Laura O'Reilly, Christine Bourgeois, Aaron, Kimberly Cameron, Elise, History Goes Bump. Diane Students. Yep. Jahara, Alicia and Chip, Mar- Marika Smith, Jeff and John- Don Chestnut, who Jeff, the, I love Backroads to History. Yes, and, and Poems by Jeff. And Poems by Jeff. Karen Barnes, Rachel Flynn, Shirley Strap, Todd Long, Lydia Fisher, Phyllis Munson, Melissa Montoya, Kristen Malachinsky, um, Heather Poole, Adam McWaters, um, The Vanish Podcast. Yes, Canadian, with our friend with Marissa. Yeah, Canadian True Crime with Christy Lee. Christy Lee. Oh, by the way, we want to give a, a shout out, congratulations to... Um, our good friends with uh, True Crime Island and Bloody Murder. They're yeah, they up. got nominated for yeah. those Australian Best Australian yes, Podcast that's Awards. Great. Congratulations. They're and you can it. still vote for them. Yeah, Campbell Ford you, and uh, Tara. If you go to our webpage, um, we got a post up yes. on our history, history dweebs. You can go vote for them. Yes, please do. So, it's well-deserved. I Actually, I, I voted for them this morning great. before I got to work. So Cambo and those guys are great guys. Or Cambo's a great guy. and, and Tara. Tara's just hysterical Barney, to yeah. me. Barney's just a yeah. Barney's patience is yeah. just unbelievable. So anyway, we got insight with Charlie and Allie, Joe Clifford, Mistress Vader, Ron Monasterio, Tracy Smith, Jess, John B, Nene, Bridget Bernard, Stacy, Christine Howard, Cheryl Weldon, Nicholas. We got Ryan, Margaret McDonald, Aaron Turner, Michelle Johns. Michelle Johns is just she's very very funny lady. She's very funny and she's just very. Uh, She's she's very sage. Yes, she you is. Know, she's a very. I understand I what you're saying. She's very um, sophisticated. Very sophisticated. Our good friends Clark and Diane Trowbridge. Yes. Just put up a Clark. Put up if you. Today is what to me Wednesday. Yes, this is Thursday. the fourth April. Yeah. The 4th. Look on our page and look up Clark's post about global warming. It's hysterical. His meme. Um, that is a really good. One, oh, okay. So. Uh, but I just approved it, so you haven't seen uh, it yet. Okay. How about um, Ursula? Is she on our list? Thank you, Ursula. Ursula. Um, let's see. We got uh, Beth Wallen, Andrew Scammell, Michaela Wallstrom, Aaron Fowler, Leanne Fanigan. And you know Leanne, Leanne is in the Canary Islands right now. Is she? Yes, vacationing. She's posting all these beautiful pictures. I'm really jealous. So, Leanne, I hope you're having a wonderful time. We got May. Um. Let's see. Who else we got? And he's handing me these. Let me see who that um, is. Well, uh, let give me give it your best shot. Okay, I'm up. Okay. Um. <laughs> okay. Here's what Brandy put on the list. For okay. Me. I'm a douche. Oh, I, I don't think that's a real person. Yeah. I Pen- think she's fucking penetration. With you. Oh yeah, she's fucking with you. Huge erection. <laughs> <laughs> She's fucking with you. May. May Annis. If we missed. If yeah, we hold missed up. We got a couple uh, more. Uh, okay. Marissa Albanese. Uh-huh. Well, that's such a real one. That's a real one. Marissa's a listener. Our, our uh, number one canine. And and actually, he said he, he might not go to this one. To me, he might be switching podcasts. Rudy is going to switch podcasts? Rudy said that he loves history dweebs, Timmy. Uh-huh. But he really enjoys Dead Ball better. 
Oh, I, well, that, I can understand that. There ain't nothing Rudy loves chasing more than a dead ball. Oh, okay. He loves yeah, I can chasing dead ball. That. I hope he continues to support us through Patreon, though. He's going to continue to support us, but he said his loyalty is kind of divided because I see. You know, he he loves the dead ball show. Mm. And this is much like me a dead ball show. Me, I thought, just me and you I, I here. thought it was maybe because of Brandy. He didn't like Brandy. Well, he doesn't like. Brandy. Well, you can understand. Animals that. don't like Brandy. Yeah. Dogs don't like kids. Brandy. Kids. Kids. Old people. Young None people. Young people, <laughs> blind people, deaf people, middle aged people, middle aged people. Yeah, people that never even heard of Brandy don't like Brandy. So, right. so, but yeah, Rudy, Rudy loves the dweebs, but he doesn't like it as much as that boy. I said. can understand that. So, Lady Beverly, of course. Yes, the lovely Lady Beverly. Lovely Lady Beverly, and the lady that we do this show for, and who brought Timmy to the point that he is at. The wonderful Dottie Scott. And how, how is Dottie doing, Timmy? Uh, she's doing okay. Love you, Mom. Um, I'm going to see her as soon as we're done here. So. Are you? Yes. Well, good. Tell, give her a hug for me, Timmy. I will we do love, that. We love Dottie. And Dottie has not, um, Dottie has not been as active on the page. Uh, she's there. She got a kick that uh, someone uh, posted a Team Dottie up there. She got a real kick. Did she? Out. Yeah. Yeah, well, I day. think we're all Team Dottie. Yeah. So. Well, thank you, Colonel, and thank you all for listening, and we'll uh, catch you next time. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.